Welcome to Hoof and Horn, a witch's podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, paganism, music, the occult, and whatever else we want. Welcome back to the Hoof and Horn podcast and our first installment of the Sabbath series, starting with the Sabbath of Samhain. In this episode, Braxis, Samuel, and I talk about the history and old traditions of this holiday, themes, and modern interpretations. First, let me just put us out there. In the first minute and minute and a half, there is some slight mic interference, but I promise you it goes away. I feel like it is a parting gift from Mercury Retrograde as we recorded this during the post-shadow. Awesome. But again, it will go away. The music in this episode is by Sharon Knight and Teethorn Coyle, as well as Celia. And if you head to the show notes and also go to our website, hoofandhornpodcast.com, you'll find some information and links to Celia's upcoming online concert on October 29th. I've been so lucky to have seen Celia perform live in Indianapolis and she is an absolute delight. So this is something that you don't want to miss. Also, look out for our mini episode. We got to talking obviously for quite some time about Samhain and we still had things left to discuss from myths and stories to tell so we decided to make a separate mini episode focusing on the myths. Samuel is going to tell us the story of Amorigan and the Dogda while Braxis and I read you the myth as told by Gemma McGowan an Irish priestess about the origins of Samhain and the goddess Clockta. Please remember to follow us on your podcast app of choice. Follow us on social media and leave us a message on anchor.fm. Happy Salon, everyone. Beyond the gates, I see my father. Beyond the gates, I see my mother. There I see the line of my people going back to the dawn of time. Beyond the gates, I see my sister. Beyond the gates, I see my brother. There I see my beloved kin going back to the dawn of time. I will take my place among them I will drink of life everlasting I will live in the halls of the mighty Until the end of time Beyond the gates I see my father Beyond the gates I see my mother There I see the line of my people Going back to the dawn of time Beyond the gates I see my sister beyond the gates I see my brother There I see my beloved kin Going back to the dawn of time I will take my place among them I will drink of life everlasting I will live in the halls of the mighty Until the end of time 
Beyond the gates I see my father Beyond the gates I see my mother There I see the line of my people Going back to the dawn of time Beyond the gates I see my sister Beyond the gates I see my brother There I see my beloved kin Going back to the dawn of time I will take my place among them I will drink of life everlasting I will live in the halls of the mighty Until the end of time Until the end of time Until the end of time Braxis and ow, Samuel and Zoe, who is uh, like Crawling 80 pounds of dog on my lap right now. How are you guys? I'm okay. Good. Samuel, I'm pretty good. Good. I'm pretty good. Uh, loving the loving the time. Excited for fall. It got too cold way too quickly though. Oh no yeah. doubt. Yeah. Oh, and today here was like rainy and uh, I took a nap. It rained all day. And then I started to get the, after the rain. I got a little bit worried about our guy, a statue out at JD's. I had a moment of panic, yeah. and I know I just have to process that. Our paper mache wood structured beautiful Gaia that lives in the woods now. I'm kind of scared to see what she looks like. Definitely oh. exposed the elements. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She's she's being returned back to her original self. She is. You know? She is going back to the elements. But here we are. It hasn't been that much of a hot minute. I'm extremely proud of us because oh, you know how yes. we can do it. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, it's That's busy, how we do it. It's a busy it's a busy time for us right now, you know, <clears throat> witches yeah. and pagans. It's kind of our time of the year to really thrive and we're just all probably super busy so I'm extremely yeah. proud of us for setting some time aside to get to talk about one of the most canonical holidays mm-hmm. of, uh, of our practice. Yeah, and I thought it was a good place, you know, to, to start at, at the start of the, the end and the start of the year. Um, I want to check in with you both though. How are you, Braxis? <laughs> okay. Are you sure? <coughs> Let me choke on my own spit for a second. Uh, I think I'm feeling this uh, kind of weird, gloomy depression cloud come in because it got cold today and it was raining. And I know as soon as Halloween and Samhain are over, it's going to get cold, it's going to get snowy, I'm going to have to drive in it. But uh, I'm trying to stay that off, that feeling, for as long as possible, so... But you have a new car. I do! That has heat. Yep, heated seats, too. Heated seats? Uh, You're gonna be like, this ain't no thing. All-wheel drive. <laughs> Luxurious. Yes. 
come on. A CD player is out. Yeah, it's going to be great. Go, like, holy For shit. all the driving you have to do. Oh, yeah. I'm just out there all the time. No. That's me. That's, that's me. How are you, Samuel? I hear you went to a Halloween party yesterday. Ooh. Oh, I had such a good time at said Halloween party. I decided I wanted to go, like, literally two days before I before I was gonna go, before it happened, and so I had to get together a costume. I ended up being a sexy cowboy. <laughs> I wish I could have uh, seen that. There needs to be I'll some have, photos. I have a picture. Okay. I have a picture I'll show you. Um, luckily, I visited my dad uh, the day before, and, and my dad lives in the country, and he's cow- he's a major cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has all he had all these like fancy accessories. Ooh. Um, had I was like, do you have a pair of really crappy jeans I can cut up into Daisy Dukes? And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I literally like, tried them on, and they're like, I mean, I mean, they should. There was not much left to the imagination. There was a lot of AS, but. <laughs> My legs looked great, so that's all that I care about. I got many compliments on how my legs looked, and I'm like, thank you, guys. You know, just fluff my ego just a little bit more, please. Um, oh, but that was so much – it was so much fun just to dance and just hang out with some friends, listen to music, just enjoy yourself. Because um, I've been pretty busy, honestly, um, not with just, like, my – physical life but my spiritual life also readings are getting more heavy Mm -hmm. um client work is getting a little bit more heavy obviously just because it's the time period and that's when people want to like yeah experience you know um so it it was kind of nice just to hang up the the hat and the broom for a little bit just to enjoy being a a person a 20 something year old Mm -hmm. person a sexy cowboy a sex I ref- someone said was like why don't you be a witch and I'm like no uh-uh I want to be something I am not I am not and I I am quite sexy I might add but I am not a cowboy so let me give me that please I appreciate it um so it was fun it was a lot of fun I'm glad I'm glad um yeah. all right so well what about what? you T-Rex oh me um tried to skip right over you didn't you I did but you didn't let me no um, how am I? I am, I am, I, my last post was that I wanted to be the side eye emoji for Halloween. <laughs> that's what I want to be, because that's me today. I am all day long, the side eye emoji. Um, maybe I just need another nap. Maybe I just need a little bit more of a break. I had a very busy week, lots of, well, one baby took a really long time. It was very frustrating. Not that it took a long time, but what happened. And like four placenta encapsulation clients. Um, so I, 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 wanna, I want that to be quiet for a little while. You know, I have a couple of appointments this week, but I like Halloween. Of course, I love Samhain. You know, we're going to talk about both, you know. But I really do like to um, do the traditional American Halloween. It's fun. You know, it's it's your childhood. I'm at a point now that um, both my boys picked out costumes this year. And they really hadn't for the last couple of years. You know, and I told them they weren't my children if they didn't want to try to dress up for Halloween. But they were, you know, in that like... 
you know, early teens, it's not cool anymore. But both of them picked uh, one is some kind of anime manga character, ghoul something. And then the other one picked um, a really great plague doctor mask with a cloak with a hood. And he's got the hat and stuff. So I'll probably give him a lantern to walk around with. And, you know, we'll go to the cool. Irvington Halloween Festival in Indy. Oh, shoot. And we're going to go to the Battle of the Bands and see Black Market Vinyl. I think they play at 11 o'clock. They do. <laughs> and then we're going to go to, like, a cosplay costume party at Conspire in Greencastle so that they'll have something to wear their costumes to. And that's the Saturday before, but I don't That'll know what we're fun. doing on, on actual Halloween. Uh, I have no idea now because some things got canceled, and so we might have to go make our own scary fun. But otherwise, I've been pretty good. Uh, I have a bunch of notes for this uh, for this episode where we're going to be talking about Samhain and All Hallows Eve, and this will be a series that we do maybe leading up to each Sabbath for the next, you know, over the next year. I really like dissecting it and talking about the holiday. Okay. I'm in. Are you in? Okay, we're all in, right? Ready to go. Sweet. Yes, absolutely. Is, all right. Is this your guys' favorite seven? It is, and then the next one will come, and it will be my favorite, and oh. then Invoke will come and be like, it's my favorite, mm. you know, but, okay. I mean, of, of course, this is going to be a a top three. Is this your favorite seven, Braxis? Yeah, it is, and I was trying to think of exactly why, and I think it's because uh, when I was a kid as Jehovah's Witness, I could never you know, partake in the cutting out of skeletons and drawing witches and cauldrons and ghosts and jack-o'-lanterns with faces and shit. So I'd go out in the hall and I'd have to sit out in the hall. Well, all their artwork was displayed out in the hallway. So I'd just be staring, you know, all day at these ghosts and goblins and just like, shit, man, these people are like fucking just drawing it and letting their kids fucking cut out little things and put it up and pictures are everywhere. And damn, they don't give a shit, you know? Uh, but fell in love with like black and orange and just that whole feeling of it, man. And everybody being cool about it. You know, my whole family was all, well, the whole religion's all weird about that shit. But <clears throat> so I think that's why I, I like it the most. Somehow mm-hmm. I have some connection with that in my brain. Sure. I understand that. And then the people who came to our houses all dressed up and we'd have to turn off the lights so they wouldn't knock on the door and shit like that. It just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for baby baby Braxis and baby (laughs) Braxis's brothers. I just want to get a time machine and I want to go steal you and take you to a really great fun Halloween party. Like one I had when I was about a junior in high school and everybody, not everybody, but Everybody came, and my parents let me have a band in the living room. Holy shit. It was so great. It was so epic and oh, so fun. It was great. That's yep. awesome. I know. That's awesome. What yeah. was the band? Probably um, my boyfriend's band. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> high, school, high school boyfriend band. <laughs> um, so, um, I think that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're on social media, so I think that... You're dead inside. <laughs> Probably, because I kind of feel like that. Um, the best but, time of the year to be dead inside. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, meme that was kind of circling around, you know, of the of the Gaelic. Did you share it, Samuel? Of like the Gaelic ways to say 
uh, Salon, yes. but then there's one that's in more depth that really kind of... Mar- yes, Mar Starling um, <clears throat> is a Welsh folk practitioner. Yeah. Um, po- posted, like, corrections to how uh, it's viewed in Wales. Mm-hmm. And honestly, um, I keep seeing that meme, like, without Mara's corrections being posted. Yeah. And every time I see it, I just, I want to post her post under it, but then I feel like a major party pooper, you know? Right. Like, it is like a cute little, oh, America, in America, it's pumpkin spice latte or something like that, you know? Like, it's supposed to be, like, a yeah. joke and funny. Yeah. But at, but at the same time, there's misinformation. And yeah. I don't, I, I feel bad being like... Oh, well, I don't enjoy that meme because of your incorrect information when it's supposed to be just something kind of funny. I responded to somebody's like that, and I said, well, it's kind of fitting since the pumpkin is indigenous to America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, it is. So stop ragging on the pumpkin spice. I'm not a major fan, but it makes sense for the year. Um, So... I had so much fun, and I actually learned about a festival today that I have never heard of before that comes to the Isle of Man. So I'm really excited to, uh, to, to tell you guys about that. So obviously, all of these uh, holidays, you know, all of these celebrations, whether it be Samhain, you know, the Irish Gaelic uh, celebration in Ireland, or uh, Sobna, Sobna, that's a hard one for me to say to wrap my, you know, my English speaking lips around. Uh, but that is a Scottish Gaelic for for All Hallows. What are you laughing at? I can't say it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you're crazy. <laughs> well, that's because we don't say it like that. The way that I read it was like, uh, Savnia, Savnia. There's a great feature on um, Anchor. You have to go through Anchor, anchor.fm, and you can leave us a message. So if I murder any of these, and you are more of a native speaker or study this, you can call us up and correct me, okay? I'm gonna try my best. This, especially because like Samhain is spelled like Samhain, yeah. and you just hear quite, and, and for somebody who learned literally just from like reading books, I said Samhain for just years. <laughs> Even in Supernatural, one of my favorite episodes, it's like they in say the third that? season, there's a demon named Samhain. Oh. And they, and they call, and they say Samhain. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, that's how you say it. And then when I heard Samhain, I was like, what? Yeah. Like, not yeah. even close to how I had pronounced right. it. Obviously, I fixed it when I learned better. Yeah. But, like, if you don't hear some a native person say it, you're just very much at a loss. Right. You're kind of piecing it together. I remember uh, Glenn Danzig had a band called... Sowen and everybody would say, "Oh yeah, that band Samhain." <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, I just remember like reading an article one time, and they like phonetically said it in there, and I felt like I had some information that nobody else ever had. You know, <laughs> it can't be Sowen; it's not spelled that way. Yeah, it's like, dude. I think that's where we can have a little bit of compassion for people, and if you do run into a person that's saying Samhain. They may not have a physical community. And it looks you know? exactly it like looks that. It looks like Samhain as English, like English speakers, American English, British English. It looks like Samhain. So it's learning. It's it's a it's different. And so just, hey, I got to tell you, come here. It's actually pronounced <laughs> Samhain. And this is why. And like, don't be a douche about it because 
There's going to be something you don't know that you're incorrect about, too. And so, not you, Samuel, but like the the, the metaphorical you. I mean, Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, especially for people that want to learn Gaelish or even are trying to pronounce it. I am giving you all the power I can give to you because it's just not even close to how you would imagine it to be pronounced. So be easy on yourself when it comes to cultural terminology because it's 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 tough. It's tough, but it's important yeah. to know the, the the correct terminology. Yeah. Sometimes I you know, I might email or message a, a friend that lives in Ireland and say, Okay, I'm having a hard time with this one. Can you help me with it? You know, not everybody has a connection like that, but if you've got them, use them. Um, so all of these these uh, celebrations, they typically will begin on the evening before November first. So they're going to start uh, at sundown, almost similar to like the you know the Jewish calendar. There's a sundown to sundown, and this is similar as well. So it's sundown the eve up before, and then the next day until the following sundown. Um, Samhain is the Irish for the month of October. And I will say that when I was, one of the times that I was in Ireland, um, the second time I think it was in May and I saw on the be- the bed and breakfast wall the calendar and it had it was in it was I- the Irish language you know and it said Bealtaine you know or mm-hmm. uh, Americans might say Beltane but their pronunciation mm-hmm. was be- Bealtaine because that was the name of the month and I just like lost my mind in how amazing that was to kind of see that mm-hmm. for for real mm-hmm. in that in that um their indigenous language on their calendar um there's mm-hmm. also Samhain which is the scott uh scotch gaelish for all hallows and like i had said it think it's um it is spelled uh s-a-m-h-u-i-n and the pronunciation that I've looked up is like Savnia. I found uh, a Samhain. Now I don't, I could not find the pronunciation of uh, the Manx language, which is indigenous to the Isle of Man, but it's spelled S-A-U-I-N. Then I also looked up uh, Kalangea, which is Welsh. And that's your people, Braxis. <laughs> I know. That is spelled C-A-L-A-N. And the next word, G-A-E-A-F. Kalangaya. There are, you know, if you put some of these words in, you know, to the interwebs on your browser and you put pronunciation, you'll find different websites that, you know, will say it for you. Um, there was one called um, Forvo. Uh, forvo.com f-o-r-v-o where i found a lot of these not all of them there were definitely some that it didn't have but it's where indigenous speakers are recording themselves saying it so you're not relying on google translate to do this for you which could be totally off but like you know there'd be like a a a male speaker and then there was a woman speaker so you could kind of hear it in different voices um i think i think also something kind of important to like a little tidbit is is that um, I mean, in, in the Americas, we say things differently depending on where we're from, right. you know? So be very, just be very, um, very um, notary 
just recognize the fact that like some a native person may say it differently than another native person yes. it's probably still spelled the same and pronounced almost similarly but when it comes to native people do your absolute best not to create not to correct a native person on how they pronounce it because their how they said it is not how is not how this other person may have said it right um so just take a take a correction and accept it and then move on yeah yeah really really important um i did find that the night before this uh welsh festival was called nos calangea like the eve of winter so um another another name i found for it which probably is more anglicized was hollandtide what I'm going to do is, in some of the show notes, I'm going to put some of the links. So if you'd like to read more about these particular festivals. So, I, and, and like how you're, similarly to how you're saying, you know, don't correct a native speaker. I think it's also important to realize that this holiday time was called different things in different portions of a relatively small area of these, you know, Ireland and the British Isles. You know, mm-hmm. we're not... Mm-hmm just it's all Samhain don't paint it all over it's all Samhain Mm -hmm. I think as American pagans even you know going back to the 90s it's Celtic Irish paganism but there's also different traditions depending on your location and Mm -hmm. I think it's really nice to recognize the differences of of this not just paint a broad brush over it um, mm-hmm. Especially like, you know, mm-hmm. talking about like the Welsh. The Welsh gets painted over a lot. You know, it really does. This stuff that I found for the Isle of Man, I was sort of like, why didn't anybody tell me this before? <laughs> um, I found a Cornish. It may be pronounced similarly because it's spelled very similarly. And it's, I think, the Kalan Gaya. Um, but this one is K A L A N and then G W A. A V. It was also a Nos Kalangea, so that's similar to the the Welsh, where it has the Eve of. And then I also found that that one, where the other one was Holland Tide, this one was also called Allen Tide. And you see the Christianization happen a little bit in this one. It's like Saint Allen's Day or Al Alair's Day, Saint Alair's Day, Kalan Kalan. Allen, and there is no real historic backup for a Saint Allen. I looked, and it was mentioned like we don't really know that this person was really the bishop of whatever, you know. Um, so it may be a, a Christianized version of what was going on here in in Cornwall. Um, all of these. I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I love. I love that though. You know, um, while I while I think that like the the domineering Abrahamic um, traditions, like taking over a uh, a religious or spiritual day practice, um, whatever you would want to call it, um, it's still there. It's so tied to the culture that they couldn't just get rid of it; that they just had to assimilate it on right. top of what they believe. You know, so so while I think that it's while I think that that's like horrible to to colonize that particular religious tradition in the same vein you also have to be like how cool is it that we still survived through it even if it was over the guise of something else they couldn't Mm -hmm. get rid of something that was tied to the land so they just had to rename it and reuse it for their own uh gnosis right 
And really, we're kind of totally focusing on a very small particular area of the world. A lot of people have, you know, in, in whether it be Northern Europe have, and even further down into the Mediterranean, it's a little different because the, the climate was different and the time of harvest is different. So we're kind of talking about small, a small place, a big place, but a small place, and then even smaller local regional names and traditions. Um, Absolutely. All of them though, have this last harvest um, theme. So you've got your first at, um, what is it, the um, Lunasa, right? And then you have your uh, Equinox, and then your final last harvest. It was it was said that for, in, in Ireland traditions, was you only took in the harvest up until the 31st, and that after that, you didn't harvest anything. Even if things were left, you didn't get to it, <coughs> excuse me, um, you would, you left it and you left it for the puka. You know, like that, that yes. terrorizing kind of antagonistic, fey, good neighbor, probably not a great neighbor, um, but he's going to come through there and sort of destroy or contaminate the rest of that harvest. So you wouldn't want to take it after that. And, you know, while yeah. I'm not, I, I follow that, that kind of tradition of, I don't take in any more herbs or anything from the garden that's still sticking out um, or sticking around up to October 31st. More as a, I had plenty of time to do it and I'm leaving this now just to those spirits of the plants. I'm not gonna harvest. They're already trying to go to sleep, you know, so I'm not mm -hmm. gonna stress them out more and I'm gonna be respectful mm -hmm. of them. I'm not gonna say, cause the puka is gonna come and st that's regional. I understand, like I yeah. see that that's there, it's different here, I can kind of, merge that and make it work for me here um but i'm not going to tell people the puka are going to come and destroy my mugwort or something like that um it's also a time where people were culling their herds or making the herds smaller and then more sustainable because we can't feed them all through the winter right and so you're going to keep your breeding stock alive and you're going to preserve the rest um it's you know, I, I feel like, as I've said many times in many rituals, where we live in a in a time and a place where we can go and hunt the grocery store, the market. You know, we don't really have. You know, we do, we are. You know, I, I can. I mean, yeah. I, if I need some tomatoes next week, I can hit the Kroger. They probably aren't the greatest tasting tomatoes, and something that came out of my garden, but I can get produce year-round you know I, I can go get some chicken at any time if that's what I want that so these agricultural themes I feel like sometimes don't touch us in the same way as it may have our ancestors Absolutely. and that's okay because <laughs> ask any of our ancestors if they'd be like are you disappointed that your your descendants can hunt the grocery store on February 15th and get, they would be beyond stoked, excited and happy. That's why they Absolutely. were doing this, right? That's why they were doing this. Absolutely. But we can also look back the other way and go, we recognize that this was not always the same way. And they were really, really like, okay, making life death decisions um, at this time of the year. I Absolutely. wanted, um, where's the, one of them, yeah. Oh, you look, you just set it all up. You're so good. You can, you want to read it? 
You don't want to read it? All right, he's going to make me read it. Are you scared of some words in here? I can't see it. Oh, it's too small. Okay, that's not the one. It's actually... This is two books in one, The Witch's Bible. So I'm going to read a little section from um, The Witch's Bible. And if you haven't... Or a uh, Witch's Bible. Not the, but a uh, Witch's Bible. Um, it's a combination of two books. It's a Eight Sabbaths for Witches and then... Um, another one of the books that, that the Farrars put together. And you can get them separately, but I have uh, the one copy together. Um, you know, this particular book, I refer back to all the time. Not necessarily the written rituals that are in here, um, because these were written maybe in the 70s, and my practice is different. I know for a fact that, that Janet Farrow's practice is different today than it was in the 70s. So we can kind of look over that part or read it for like nostalgia. But I will say that um, one of the authors of this book, Stuart Farrow, was a journalist before he was an initiated witch in Alex, by Alexanders and Alexandrian Coven. And he brings that to this. And he was a, an amazing researcher. And while um, he's been gone for 20 some odd years now, the work that he did really put a lot of bones on some of the early um, Wiccan version of witchcraft that, that is out there. And so I, I go back to his research often when I'm looking for ideas for, for rituals. Um, let's see, okay. Thus, to economic uncertainty was added a sense of psychic eeriness, for at the turn of the year, the old dying, and the new still unborn, the veil was very thin. The doors of the she-mounds were open, and on this night, neither human nor fairy needed any magical password to come and go. On this night, too, the spirits of the dead friends sought the warmth of the sound fire and communion with their living kin. Okay, I'm going to try. He gives us a pronunciation here. Okay, this was the Fela Namurv, the Feast of the Dead, and also Fela Monginna, the Feast of the White-Haired One, the Snow Goddess. It was a partial return to primordial chaos, the dissolution of established order as a prelude to its recreation in a new period of time as Persinius Macana says in Celtic mythology. So Samhain was on the one hand, a time of propitiation, divination, and communion with the dead, and on the other, an uninhibited feast of eating, drinking, and the defiant affirmation of life and fertility in the face of the closing dark. So it's like you're Ugh. staring down the pike. You know that this is gonna be like exactly what you said before, Braxis, right? You felt like that dark cloud of a little bit of depression like it's gonna get cold and it's gonna snow and it's gonna be like men turn uh, down the barrel right? fuck no <laughs> right now think about how much more fuck no that would be if I couldn't go to Kroger's and get my food <laughs> yeah if I couldn't just drop down to the gas station and yes. get whatever the fuck I need yeah so you're like if this is the winter that's gonna take me out I'm gonna party down at this festival of welcoming home my dead, which I very m might become part of that crew, right? And I'll be coming yeah. back home next Samhain. 
or yeah. I'm just going to have a really great time because we're going to have to tighten it and budget it until at least February when we get some fresh milk. It'll be the first fresh food mm -hmm. that we've seen in ages, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's kind of, you know, when we were talking earlier before we started and you had brought up, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm going to a Halloween party on Halloween, you know, and then feeling like I should be home speaking to my ancestors. It's okay. You know, mm -hmm. like it's Halloween is so beloved in American culture and I think you're neither right nor wrong if you choose a Halloween party or a Samhain ritual on that night. The way that I've uh, practiced before being a mom and then after being a mom has differed, you know? So maybe some of those times I was going to, you know, the ritual if we were having it. But there were very many times that other people in those communities were parents. And so we're gonna put, like, put it at a different, a different weekend. Um, because I'm not going to miss trick-or-treating with my littles. They'll remember yeah. that forever. So I want to do that. And I think that's continuing tradition too. Um, our rituals with like what we've been doing here and even, you know, back in New York, we were often putting them a little deeper into November, looking for that cross-quarter gateway, that astrological gateway of the 15 degrees of Scorpio. So really, these shows you that while we might have a calendar date for, for some of these, similar to the solstices and the equinoxes that shift depending on that zero degrees of whatever, you know, if it's, if it's Yule at zero degrees of Capricorn, we can look at these like tides. And so great, if you do that ritual on October 31st and that's when you celebrate Samhain, Kalingea, right? Whatever. If you're like, I'm Welsh, my people were Welsh, and I'm going to call it that. Whatever you call it. Or if you wait until the following weekend or the night before, the night after, I still think that it's okay because that portal of time is open. I think, too, um, like I wholeheartedly agree with what you said that um, not that we're necessarily disconnected from the holiday, but we're disconnected from our ancestors' experience. Yeah. So, so we, so we do end up. I, I. This is obviously my personal opinion, and that I'm coming up with as I'm talking. Um, right. I think that's why American witches or pagans will typically do more intense spiritual work at this time, because we're we're um, doing more spiritual work because we're not working the land. You know, right. we're not like fervently like grabbing the crops and getting everything together you know so we're more spiritually busy because we're not as physically busy because at this time this is when we're like all right things are going to start slowing down because of snow you know it'll take longer for me to drive somewhere not okay everybody hunker down because if we go outside we may die <laughs> you know like we don't have to do that anymore so and what you said previously about um, this is time for like celebration like the last um, hurrah before yes. winter time I mean, you're celebrating your ancestors in that moment, you know, right. so so I really appreciate you reading that because they want me to party too. They, yeah. I mean, they did. They're, they're, they're having their last hurrah before they have to hunker down for the next few months, you know? Right. Why, why can't that also be spiritual? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I have a whole section here that I found on different local traditions, so looking at Samhain, Sabnia, 
Kalangea, right? Um, there, similar things, similar, like it being about div like nights of divination, you know, and you often, um, it's funny because I was, I was listening to uh, a Lucky Mojo uh, Block Talk Radio episode uh, earlier this week. And they were talking about some like ho American Halloween traditions. And while they are American, this is where this stuff comes from. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's uh, this English, Irish traditions, and we see it in working divination with apples or things that you do with nuts or mirror magic. And a lot of this stuff is like, you know, dreaming of or conjuring or calling forth your future husband, you know? Yeah. And so yep. cute. Like, and you can kind of look like, really, that's what you're worried about? Your future husband? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as I was writing all these notes today, I kind of, what's one of the, like, you go through social media, go through your bookstore. Like, people want their love spells, you know? People want love in their life. People always had. But it's also, <laughs> like, if you don't get married, you ain't going to have no children. And who's going to take care of you? Because you can't work yep. that land forever by yourself. So you better Absolutely. get married. You better have some Absolutely. babies. Absolutely. Right? So that's that's when you see that. That's what this is about. It's fertility. You need a partner. Um, so divination is big. It goes back to the psychic climate that the veil is thinning. Um, and coming winter worries made people seek out divination. What's what, what can I expect? What's going on? And we still do that. You, just, you mentioned earlier about how you're busier. People pop up more around uh, Samhain and Vialtina than they do any other time of year for readings or what groups are out there. Where's the rituals? Like we feel called to it. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So some of these future husband divinations were popping in nuts in a fire. So you could have like this one's for James and this one's for Donald and this one. And the one that pops towards you might be the one that you marry or the pops away from you. It ain't him, you know. Mm -hmm. It's cute, but that's popping what they did. Popping nuts and I wrote that and I was like, Braxis is gonna laugh when I write popping nuts in a fire. <laughs> and you were correct. I know. Um, conjuring their images in a mirror where you're like saying a certain thing. I'm sure there's different traditions and you're conjuring their image, which then makes you think of like Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Yeah. Right? So mirror. Candyman, yeah. Candyman, candy that's another one too. Ooh, that's scary. That was a good flute. I like it. Um, one I liked this one too was uh, the girl washes her night clothes three times in running water at midnight on Samhain and then hangs them over the hearth while leaving the door open to draw him into the house to like turn her clothes around to dry the other side was right right um, other traditions were that she had to wash their that her night clothes in a well which brides and funerals passed over and i thought oh what's this but maybe it, well i could see the weddings but also like the transitions there's the ancestral kind of stuff that's coming in there um this one was the, the girl lays a table with the big with a big meal and then it it draws in the fetch of her future husband who then eats the meal and then he's bound to her forever what the fuck is a fetch like uh I think what they're meaning is like the, the the fetch, like yours. It's like a 
a soul, it's like a spirit. Your, it's a part of your spirit. Yeah, yeah. like there's yeah, spirits so that like, goes out and travels. Ooh. So like yes. part of your in dream time, like your fetch went out and does things. It's like you're and you ate that meal and now it's like the bar. You're bonded, like the bar and the car. You, you know, though, I think it's interesting that um, that modern practitioners would probably want to disregard that type, those type of things, because it's it comes involved with like manipulating someone's will. Mm-hmm. You know, like how love magic is a very sticky topic sure. um, in, in a lot of ma- uh, a lot of major uh, witch communities. Is, is our love spells okay? Are they not okay? Because if you say like they're bound to you, you're like, oh my god! Now like I've circumvented their will when all in all reality that she just made a meal, right. you know, um, and, and it was just inviting in the spirit of who her future husband whoever. was, you know, right? Whoever whoever it was right. you know right um so i i love that and honestly like what they probably did is so simple and what we probably would do now in modern times with just the availability of tools herbs candles whatever mm-hmm. you know like like to them making a whole meal was probably the biggest thing to do because you're utilizing all of your resources to to attain this knowledge or to attain this person um, while we would probably consider that very simple to them, that was probably the most dramatic thing to do was to sacrifice all of these um, goods mm-hmm. for sure. the for the possibility of your future lover coming to eat it. Yeah, and really, it's it's going back to to influence, you know. And anybody that has a like a problem with, I'm not going to influence anybody with my magic. Well, the next time you go on date night. I don't want to see you wearing any makeup and dressing in your best, you know, stunt gear. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. dress up nice and get all primed up for your job interview because that's influence, right? There's a different ways of influence. Can you, I mean, I, if you're, you look at your ethics, so if you don't want to do, I'm washing this dress and, and James is going to be the one, I'm going to get James's yeah. fetch. Well, that yeah. might not work for you. That might work for you. But again, mm-hmm. it's, it goes back to, to influence, um, which I'm okay with influence because. And operative magic yeah. was supposed to be about influence, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. This isn't necessarily Samhain based, but like I did a money spell one time and I needed a lot of, I need my rent money. And my grandma out of nowhere two days later was like, oh my gosh, Samuel, I completely forgot about this money that your grandpa set for you before he died so here you can have it to pay your rent you know like I was like oh my god like that's incredible thank you but that's influencing my grandma didn't remember that right like she she was obviously influenced by something to give me this money at this particular time more so than any other time right so so operative magic is about influencing now the type of degree of influence is 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 very variant depending on obviously your personal taste but but it's opposed to influence things. That's why we practice it. You know, it's yeah. we want things to be influenced by what we do. Because if not, why would you be doing it? Right, right. Um, okay, I found this uh, barmbrack, which is a brown loaf or a cake made with dried fruit. And this reminds me a bit of the king cake. That's a tradition at Mardi Gras, where there's the baby yeah. Jesus in the cake, and whoever gets right, the baby Jesus. Yeah. Um, this has a bunch of tokens that are baked into the cake. Some of them are 
So Good. you can choke on <laughs> Well, you have to go through your cake to see what token before you eat it. <laughs> so you can choke and die. Right. <laughs> right. Less mouths to feed this year. <laughs> right. Ulterior motives. Yes. It's going to be a great sound. Oh, some are... Some are good, that foretell good fortune, and some foretold bad fortune. A ring, if you got the ring, it meant you were getting married this year. If you got the P, it was a poverty signal, a sign. If you got a bean, it was for wealth, etc. The most important token for any Barnbrack cake was the, was the wedding ring. Because again, we're talking about fertility and continuing the line. Um, yes. Yes, that. And it has, it was traditionally if you, you could, they make these and you can go out and get this cake in like out there in, in Ireland. Um, but also if you make your homemade version, it was supposed to be made by someone who was married and they had to bake, cut, butter, slice the cake and do it where no one was, was like watching them do it. It had to be eyes off. The married person is the one that does this. Um, I also came across some information on dumb suppers, and that means a meal that is shared with your beloved dead uh, in silence. Um, in A Witch's Bible, they were quoting Paul Hewson's Mastering Witchcraft, and the quote is that is a, this dumb suppers are performed in honor of the beloved dead and wine and bread be ceremonially offered to them the latter in a shape of a cake made in nine segments similar to the square of earth. Then the pharaohs said that they, he may have meant the square of Saturn because the Saturn square, each one of the planets has the different like squares of, of that planet um, with different segments in it. And the Saturn square has nine squares. The earth square doesn't have, there isn't one. There are no squares in that. Um, so it's probably that it's made in nine pieces. We've had dumb suppers at, at rituals before. Indeed. Um, anything that you want to say about when we did it? <clears throat> um, no, just that it was nice. I mean, we were silent for a while, but then we started just yelling out the names of our ancestors. And mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of emotional, just everybody, you know, doing that and, and trying to call them to this place for this meal to invite them yeah. yeah i think one year we also uh like when we didn't have too many people where we invited people to tell a story like mm. once the supper was like mm. so the silent part was over and you could like say a quick story about your um about your beloved dead you and know? i seem to remember that sometimes it was just like a table with one plate and a chair mm -hmm. and another time it was like an entire banquet that we had set, yeah. set up yeah know? yeah where we all sat down and left uh <clears throat> one plate for all the all the gathered uh beloved dead um something you wanted to add Sam samuel i just think that is so sweet I just think that is so sweet. Now, Agreed. I don't know where I saw this at, and it's def and it was from a TV show. It definitely was not like from a research uh, research source, mm -hmm. but someone mentioned uh, on this TV show, which I wish I remember the name of, but it's I don't. The only thing I remember is that they said that the dumb supper is eaten in reverse, so it's um, dessert first, and then mm -hmm. it's the main course, and then it's like a soup and salad, you know. And I was like. I would love to like, even though that's not necessarily the most like traditional way to do it, that would be something that I'd want to carry on with my children mm -hmm. because like, how cool would it be for kids to be like, Oh my God, we get dessert first, yeah. you know, like, 
like I think that, that it would just be so awesome to see like that much joy be like offered to a child for the like, most simple thing is just we're sure. eating dinner in reverse today sure. and it would just be something that's cute yeah we used to do that as a special events every session of camp when I was a camp counselor the backwards meal and we all wore our clothes backwards some of the like crazy counselors would come with like their bra on the outside of their t-shirt which all of that (laughs) is pretty pagany witchy stuff like it is so and the the kids were like dessert cake first yeah do it isn't uh I think you told me that that was something that you did to get out of, like, um, I don't know if you called it a time loop or, like, the fair, um, like, the good neighbors were playing a joke on you in a way that, like, a traditional way to get out of that situation is to put your clothes on inside out. Yes. Like, I... I was was told to do that if we got lost. And I was just, just, if you get lost, and we are in Ireland, you know, if you get lost, drop some candy and put your clothes on inside out and you'll find your way home and... And I just was like, okay, Janet, great. Thank you for the tip. You know, like, okay, weird. Mm -hmm. And then it occurred to me five hours later when we were lost and we were driving a straight line for close to four hours and never really turning and never being able to get down there. And I'm seriously not kidding that I remembered what she said. And we, I mean, maybe not my pants because wearing your jeans inside out and doing that in a parking lot, I don't want to get in trouble in Ireland. But shirts, jackets, Uh you know? And dropped that candy in the parking lot in 20 minutes. Not a single wrong turn. We were home, so <laughs> it worked. You know, she said, you know she said that to you for a reason, too. She yeah. was like, I know that this is going to happen to them, but I don't know when it will happen. But <laughs> They'll probably do to something to aggravate someone. So FYI, yes. do this. Um, yes. So this is the festival that I came across today and I thought what is this I've never heard of this and it is celebrated on the Isle of Man on October 31st and it's called Hop Tune Hop Tune um now there's Samhain or Sovnia right uh it their their language is Manx and uh I'll read this little excerpt the Manx name Iahahuna corresponds to the Irish Ihahuna, which was pronounced the same, though not in revived Manx. So they may say it a little bit differently today than the, the uh, Irish way of saying it. The exact status of Ihahuna and its role in the Celtic calendar has been a matter of debate. Ihahuna eventually mutated into Halloween in Northern England and Ireland and was carried to America by Irish immigrants and developed into the modern Halloween. The term Hapune, Haptune comes from Manx Gaelic song traditionally sung during the festival, which included uh, nonsense Haptune as a refrain. Such nonsense rhymes are common, uh, are common theme in Irish and Scotch Gaelic uh, music. So I'm going to see if I yep. can possibly, you might not see me here for a second, Samuel. I'm going to see, I'm going to, okay. So I'll play the, the song in a, in, in a second. Um, so there's the different traditions of Haptune. There are songs, there are dances, there are the carving of turnip lanterns and uh, divination and foods. It sounds like so much fun. Um, 
On the Isle of Man today, many groups of people continue the tradition of singing hop tune songs around the houses, which traditionally referred to waits, which are groups of, of people singing, right, and going around houses. Every town had a group of waits. Um, going around visiting houses, especially those of the wealthy, and soliciting gifts. Sounds very much like trick-or-treating, right? And they Sounds would like just, caroling to me. Yeah, and caroling, absolutely. And caroling. And they'd go with their, turn, their turnip lanterns. Um, in addition to this, many public hop tune events take place across the Isle of Man each year, most of which today include competitions for artistically carving turnips and the singing of traditional songs, as well as many events as well as the many events run with local communities, the National Folk Museum hosts an event to teach the traditional hop tune song and to help people carve turnips. Um, according to this website that I found called Holodappy, <laughs> um, some regional variations on the hop tune song briefly mention a figure called Ginny the Witch. In other versions, the entire song is about her. As it turns out, Ginny was a real person. Her name was Joni Lowney, and she was tried for witchcraft in the Isle of Man in 1715. Like many witchcraft trial victims, the accusation was hurled at her due to an altercation with a neighbor, not because of any act of malice on her part, probably due to the late date, because the witch craze in Europe was over by the 1700s, and also no. due to the cultural climate of the island, Ginny was not killed and was given a comparatively light, sen light sentence. So, not a, a victim in, in the way of dying uh, in a witch, yeah. witch trial. Um, here is... I think there's a the, book series about Ginny the Witch. There is? Yeah, I don't know if it's referring to the same one, but... Okay. Because this is spelled with a J-E-N-N-Y, and I noticed okay. that was a J-I, but... So blah, blah, blah. Here is a, a hop tune song. Tashani how na hop tune, tani sojin tralale, hop tune is tralale, tashani how na hop tune, tashani how na. Oops, sorry, messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I messed it up, sorry. Uh, I love it though. It's cute, right? It, that's actually in Gaelic, um, or in, in Manx, actually, was their. their um, in their native language here, but this one, I found them talking a bit more about it. And you can look this, like, look them up. I found a whole bunch on YouTube. A, like, a lot I found on YouTube. Dances, um, some of the songs. <laughs> and the traditions associated with it are the oldest unbroken tradition in man that has never had to be revived and it connects us with our ancestors going back hundreds of years. In Peel, we'd get hold of a turnip and it had to have a nice stalk or, that would be used for the handle. The top would be cut off evenly and then you'd use a sharp-edged spoon to scoop it out onto some newspaper. Then a pen knife is very good for you know, getting into the little bits that are difficult to get to. And these symbols always seem to include um, a cat, a witch, um, a castle, a fishing boat, moon and stars, and a cottage with a little bit of smoke coming out of the, the chimney. Why these symbols 
I really don't know and I've never seen any explanation for it. And then the candle would be put inside and the candle lit and the lid put on and off you go round the houses and you'd knock at the door and you'd sing the song. And that was Hopchine, put in the pot, Hopchine, scold me trot, Hopchine, I met an old woman, Hopchine, she's bacon bonnets, Hopchine, I asked for a bit, Hopchine, she gave me a bit as big as my big toe, Hopchine, I dipped it in milk, Hopchine, I wrapped it in silk, Hopchune, tra la lay. Ginny the witch went over the house to catch a stick to ladder the mouse, Hopchune. If you don't give us something, we'll run away with the light of the moon. I enjoy this tradition so much that my children did it, and I'm pretty sure that my grandchildren are now looking out in the shops for a suitable turnip to scoop out on Hopchine night. <laughs> sweet right it's very endearing like that's the only thing i could think of about that was just like that's just endearing yeah um but i think that uh something that i see quite frequently on uh like facebook groups or whatever is people very concerned about how to connect with their ancestors um and i think people want to make it especially in the west so much more complicated than it has to be you know do a traditional craft you can connect to your ancestors. Learn a like a little jig tune, and you can connect with your ancestors. I mean, even just what um, even just what that presenter was mentioning, um, she's like, I just enjoy it so much that my I did it with my kids, and mm-hmm. then they're doing it with their grandkid with her grandkids. You know, like it, right. this is not a very complicated um, um, situation. You just need to do a little something. Just do a little something, and then they're going to be boom right there. You know, like you right. connect to them in such a variety of ways. Right. Um, I love that they're like with the connection with your children and also keeping a tradition alive. You know, something that I learned about Hop Tune is that they're teaching kids these dances at school. You know, at school they're learning like how to do some of these dances there's couples dances or like the in a reel and they kind of like do the arches and they go up and down. it's adorable and so special because you know i hear i watched a, a you know a video today um alessandra baloney who is a italian uh drummer dancer singer um expert now you know on the black madonna you know she's the such an intense like the way that she can do the southern italian drum style when she starts to play my dna is like oh my god you know and so those dances i wish that i was learning that when i was a kid you know i wish that we had learned some of those songs it's really important so hit the youtube if you're uh interested and and watch some of these kids dance um again divination Time of prophecy, right? So, one of the ones that I, I liked here that I found was uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I liked it, but after the fire is out on that night, right, you smooth out the ashes. And in the morning, if a footstep appears in the ashes facing towards the door, somebody is going to die in the next year. But if a footprint is facing into the house, 
then there will be a birth. Um, again, we have a connection to feeding the ancestors, but also uh, a, it's called a sodagvalu or a dumb cake um, because it's made and eaten in silence. Young women and girls all had a hand in baking it on the red embers of the hearth. The first helping to mix the ingredients, flour, eggs, eggshells, soot, and salt, and kneading the dough. The cake was divided up and eaten in silence and, still without speaking, all who had eaten it went to bed, walking backward, expecting and hoping to see their future husband in a dream or a vision. So, like, uh, this, there's the backward thing again, you know, like yes. doing something in backward. Yeah, eating eggshells and soot. Right. <laughs> um, the future husband is supposed, as expected, to appear in the dream and offer you a drink of water. Right? Like, look what you just ate. Salty, sooty, eggshelly, like not a, I mean, it's calling it a cake, but it's just not like, ooh, yeah. let's make some of this cake. So you're going yeah. to bed like, ugh, and then you dream of the man who brings you, the, brings you a drink. Um, it's re relieving you of yes. your sorrow. Yes. You yes. know? Um, um, there's another tradition of holding water in your mouth and a pinch of salt in each hand as you listen to a neighbor's conversation and then the first name that's mentioned in that conversation is the is your future spouse. <laughs> I want to try all of these. I you know, know I, I I got a very intense like like old school memory of me watching um, Charmed in the Sawin episode, which uh -huh. is my absolute favorite. Okay. It's my favorite episode of Charmed. Um, and even in Colonial Salem in Charmed, he was like um, this dude with the mask was like um, mm -hmm. think of your think of the per think of your future husband, and he like shaved off an apple you know yeah and he dropped it in water and the shape of the, the the apple peel would be the first initial of your your future husband um i just think that is so neat yeah. and it's all love-based it is all about your future <laughs> husband what'd you say praxis <laughs> people were expecting a lot of s's a lot of s, s letters yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could try this one too, Samuel. Steal a salt herring from a neighbor. What's a herring? A salt a fish. <laughs> a fish. Oh, salt, okay. fi a salted herring. There we go. Because you got to salt your fish so those fish goes bad, right? So steal that salted fish from your neighbor, roast it over a fire, eat it in silence, and go to bed. And then you'll dream of your future spouse. I don't know what I stealing salt. has to do with it, but apparently you got to steal this fish. <laughs> There, there is something about um, it's a it's a love spell. It's a real old school love spell where like men uh, would have a fish. I think a herring, maybe, but just a fish, and they would hold it under their armpit, and then they would and then they would feed it to their uh, their wanted, and ah. then that person would would want to be with them. Women would hold it in their um, where their genitals yeah. are, um, and then feed it to the person that they want to be their future husband. Yeah. You're getting your, uh, you're getting your juju on it. Your hormones. Your, es yep. your essence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, mm -hmm. your essence. <laughs> um, and I found some, lastly, for, for Hop Today, uh, traditional meal was potatoes par and parsnips mashed up with fish and butter. And then if you had any leftover, you needed to leave it outside for the good neighbors or the fae or the fairies or whatever they call that... Uh, they're neighbors in man, and I could not find that answer. Um, talk a little tiny bit here about 
uh, Kalangea, a Nos Kalangea, so the night before um, the first day of winter. Again, we have spirits of the dead wandering around. People were known to avoid churchyards, crossroads, and styles, which is uh, a style is, if you think uh, in, in rural places where you have your area, your land kind of fenced off, there'd be a place where you could get through, like the doorway of a fence. That's the style because these were seen as places where spirits might gather. So they're avoiding those liminal places. They've a got, liminal place. Yes. Yep. They've got bonfire dancing and the, the bonfire here is called, oh, I'm going to murder this. Okay. Kyoya El Kath. I think that's how you say it. Kyoya El Kath. Uh, and, and what they would do is they would take stones and they'd put their name on the stone and you put that into the fire. And then in the morning, if your stone still had your name on it, you're good to go. You're gonna be in the living land of the living for the next 12 months. But if it burned off, then you die within the year. Um, how what how did they horrifying use to write their is that though? Say that again? You? No, what practice, what'd you say? What uh, sorry, man, uh, we Maybe had the same paint, thought. Uh, you somebody who's trying to find the thing that would not come off, off because of fire, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yes, man, I, I wonder, think I cut you off, Samuel. No, you're totally fine, because I was like, how horrifying is that? You it wake is. up and your name is gone. But don't like, we love to scare the shit out of ourselves, right? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, and I wonder if it, I want, now I'm, now I'm getting too nitpicky, but I'm wondering if it was like, you had to, if you wrote it with like something that didn't burn off, that was what you wanted, you know, so you tried to find it because if your name burned off, right, that was the, that was the bad thing. It wasn't just because like, oh, you're going to die. It's just like, oh, you didn't write it with a good enough utensil that kept you alive. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I need, I need to go to ancient times and I have questions for these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these are your people, so you're going to have to talk to your ancestors, <laughs> my Welsh friend. Um, also, so this is that's something that was done from night, and then you, you see the results in the morning, right? But when the fire is burning, and now it's getting dark again, here comes that encroaching darkness, then everybody would run home because they didn't want to get caught by this spirit of a black tailless sow who roamed the land of Wales with uh, the white lady who was headless. Headless, dude. Yes. Holy shit. Okay. And this sow, I found the name. I'm going to try. Ready? Ir du guta. Ir du guta. That's much better. That is black killer sow. I probably would have said. I basically, what I did was I pulled different words out and I put them into Forvo. And if you do that, other than, so it's four words. Y-R, I think that's ear. Chwich is H-W-C-H. Then do, D-D-U. And guta, G-W-T-A. You can find the Hwe Du and the Guta in Forvo, and you can hear them mm-hmm. said, and this is going to be much better than I can say it. Um, I did also do, in the, in the readings I was doing, it was the, the black tail of sow may have been from a southern Wales tradition, and then the north uh, was the white lady, or vice versa, I can't remember, but eventually over time they kind of became this pair. 
that would kind of go around together. So you better get your ass back in the house before the darkness comes in so you don't come across these two. Robert Crumb would love that. Who's Robert Crumb? <laughs> An artist that used to draw women with no heads all oh. the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned earlier, so we have uh, the Cornwall celebration, right? Um, and this, where it was known to be the feast day of St. Alan, A-L-L-A-N or A-L-L-E-N, or Arlen, that's what it was, who was said to be this bishop of Quimper in the 6th century. Um, little historic proof that he exists. So, Callan, Alan, heh, did we lose him? He'll have to pop back in here, but I'm still going to talk. Um, we've got divination and games that are played during uh, Nos Calangea. The giving of Alan apples, large glossy red apples that were highly polished to family and friends as tokens of good luck. The Allen Apple Markets used to be held throughout West Cornwall in a run-up to the feast. Um, and this is a following, uh, this is a description of the festival celebrated in Penzance in Cornwall at the turn of the 19th century. The shops in Penzance would display Allen apples, which were highly polished large apples. On the day itself, these apples were given as gifts to each member of the family as a token of good luck. Older girls would place these apples under their pillows and hope to dream of the person they would one day marry. Again, dreaming about your, your boyfriend and your husband. A local game was also recorded where two pieces of wood were nailed together in the shape of a cross. It was then suspended with four candles on each outcrop of the cross shape. Allen apples would then be suspended under the cross. The goal of the game was to catch the apples in your mouth, with hot wax being the penalty for slowness or inaccuracy. Get that apple, that's, girl, that's or you're the, gonna get it. That's where the fetishes came from. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Red Apples. That came from um, a book published in 1902 called The Popular Romances of the West of England. Somebody um, wrote a book about that. Yes, and another section in uh, St. Ives in this area. Um, the ancient custom of providing children with a large apple on All Hallows' Eve is still observed, to great extent at St. Ives. Allen Day, as it's called, is the day of days to hundreds of children who would deem it a great misfortune if they were to go to bed on Allen Night without the time-honored Allen Apple to hide beneath their pillows. According to the Cornwall Traditional Year by Simon Reed, divination games were played, including the throwing of walnuts and fires to predict the, f the fidelity of partners, and the pouring of molten lead into cold water as a way of predicting the occupation of future husbands, the shape of the solidified lead somehow indicating this. Now, that's confusing. So, every <laughs> what household has molten lead? I guess you do. Pour in cold water. Probably more than, like, more than we would because they would probably need that to oh, fix sure. stuff, you know? Right. So I'm going, how do I candle wax? That doesn't. You know? Do it. do it with candle wax and water. Mm -hmm. It'll be the same thing. Um, I think here where maybe we talk a little bit about the, we're going to go, I have an idea. This is going to be a two-parter. It's probably a good idea. Cause yeah. Well, we already, and we, and we have to get Samuel back. And he Samuel wants to tell. Samuel went away. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel went and he's, he's gone. He'll come back. He's he got a story to, to tell. He's, he's got a story to tell. He's become a sexy cowboy again. Yes. 
Let's play a song. Maybe we can go find Samuel on the outer rim, at, uh, outer ridges. Calling all ancestors, Samhain, Samhain. 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 Calling your wisdom in, Samhain, Samhain. Calling your wisdom in, Samhain, Samhain. That was super musical. <laughs> Did we just play the Monster Mash? 
I'm not sure what we played. <laughs> Neither am I at this point. Yeah. Okay, we I, got um, I, Samuel back. He's back. He's back. Hooray! Uh, technological advances have uh, given me the middle finger once again. <laughs> <laughs> so, we talked about all of our traditions and history and yada yada. Um, we're going to make a separate, like I said before, we're going to make a little separate mini-sode of some Samhain myths telling the story of the Morrigan and the Dea and also Klokta. Um, but we're going to finish up this particular episode with some, like, modern interpretations. We discussed earlier about how, you know, we can hunt the Kroger and the, you know, the Stop and Shop and the, you know, Wegmans or whatever you've got near you. Um, and so maybe we're not having to worry about certain things like, um, you know, culling our herds and getting the harvest in. But, you know, how do we take these agricultural themes and then practice them as, as modern witches? Um, it's still absolutely a celebration of, of dead, of the dead and our ancestors, our beloved dead. I, I consider beloved dead as the people that I know their names and ancestors, people that names I don't have. It's kind of how I classify them um, myself. Um, you know, and, and for these, I think it's important when we are working with beloved dead and ancestors to, it's, it's about inviting them home as opposed to summoning and calling them home. You know, um, they are, They've got their thing to do, you know, like they've, it's, it's an invitation and if they want to come, great. And if they don't, I can still give offering and remembrance and say their name and pour a libation or leave a meal out for them, but I'm not going to cajole them to being here. Um, I, I kind of look at the, the spiritualist seance as being too demanding of spirits. And it's sort of like um, a calling them and bringing them in as opposed to an invitation in. So, you know, like, like that's me. They're going to show up if they want to. And, they, and if they don't, because they're busy otherwise, they won't. Um, definitely a time for divination. I think this year we're going to have some, we're going to bring back the divination stations. That'll be fun. Yeah. Right, you're looking up like, I don't remember what she's talking oh, about, but great. Where we kind of had a station for like tarot, and we had a station for one year, a cover member like, read the bones, and over oh, here right. was like, you know, some yeah, different types of divination in the ritual, because everybody wants their, everybody wants a little bit of a fortune. Everybody you know? wants a husband. Yes. <laughs> uh, honey, I am, I, I am first in line. Right, I am no. first in line for that one, girl. I don't have to worry about uh, perpetuating the line. But a husband, a husband is my true desire. <laughs> um, this is the, you know, it's the new year. It's ending the old and beginning the new. And so I feel like any, <clears throat> any sound ritual that I've ever put together um, and facilitated, you know, it, it does start off like it's a little bit, it can be a little heavy. You know, some people are, are placing tokens or photos of their beloved dead that they just lost. It could be parents, it could be friends, it could be pets, and you're going to mourn them just as hard as your human family. You know, so it tends to be a little bit of a heavy 
lifting ritual there. But it's always important to me that we bring it up into like that celebration of we are alive, they want us to be alive. As we do better, they celebrate, we, amp we lift them up, right? Just like we talked about mm -hmm. earlier, all of our ancestors are completely stoked that we have it better than them. And while there's parts of me, I've said it before, that I wish that my family had never left Barry, Italy, you know? Yeah. They did that for me. Mm -hmm. They did that for my brothers. They did that for my children. And I, I get it. I see that. Um, um, go ahead. I, I think it's something important to mention, um, especially as um, white people. You know, we don't come white. Whiteness is not an ethnicity. You know, it's mm -hmm. a it's a label. So you do come from somewhere, um, and in that same vein, I think that there's a lot of questions about specifically white people and their ancestry. Of how do I work with my ancestors if they're also horrible? Right. You know, like colonizer, um, slave holding ancestors. And I would uh, I want to put out there that those ancestors do not have the highest would not have the highest possible like love and intention for you especially if you're going against what their beliefs were you know so so i don't want i don't want people to be worried about oh i'm calling on my ancestors oh my god i'm calling on slave owning ancestors like no if that's not your intention that's not who is going to be drawn to you especially if you don't fit that person that ancestor's particular paradigm um and if you happen to want to say something, if you invoke your ancestors because you're you're that worried that someone is going to come up in that manner, then say then I only call upon the ancestors that have the highest possible intentions for me and my life, and that will weed out the ones that have a negative intention for you. Because again, if you're not perpetuating their thoughts and their beliefs in the world, then they wouldn't have intention pos mm -hmm. uh, positive intentions for you because. That's they don't believe that they want you to believe what they believe, and if you don't, they're gonna be like, "Well, they're not. They're not calling on me. They're not sure. asking me." Um, and I think, if anything, it's 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 important for everyone to connect with their ancestors, but also for white people to connect with their ancestors because I my my ancestral land is not the United States, you know. So 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 get rid of the the. I am white, so I can't be like, I get rid of that title, you know, but you are from somewhere. Your ancestors are from somewhere. Connect with that somewhere, and it hopefully will make you feel more culturally experienced, um, especially in your own your own ancestral culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's following the, maybe the witches and pagans that are still in your ancestral land, right? And how are they doing yeah. it and what's going on there? Because they're, they're living a different experience than, than we are, you know? Italians are different than Italian-Americans. <laughs> we all yeah. know this, right? So Absolutely. the Irish are different than Irish-Americans. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I... I, I totally get that, you know, there are people not on my ancestor altar. And while I could choose to say prayers for that person and try to elevate that spirit, and, because obviously he needed a lot of healing, I'm not there because that abuse I still experience in my daily life because mm -hmm. of the generational trauma that that, you know, coming down from grandparent to parent to myself, 
you know. So if you kind of feel like you're not affected in that way, but you know that there's somebody, you know, pretty screwed up or a situation that's screwed up in your in your ancestry, and you feel like I'm going to do the work of praying for them because of how misguided somebody might have been, that's a route, but it doesn't have to be. It absolutely doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. You get to choose the ancestors you want to work with. Absolutely, and I think, um, and we just I'll just say one last thing about it. Um, mm-hmm. Spirits learn too. Spirits yeah. have to learn, elevate, and grow also. So I don't want you to hold on to this thought that, oh my God, my great-great-grandfather is still like a slave-owning like mindset sold person like that like like you have to hold within yourself that they are elevating past that human experience and and they're also learning and growing um that's why i think that um, ancestors are the best spirits to work with is because they they are learning with us also what they did not learn they are learning through us and and we are providing a reciprocal uh they're helping us on the other side but we're helping them here physically because if they didn't learn something, then it's up to us to break that generational trauma and in that and in that mindset and in that and in that uh, perpetuation of you are uplifting your ancestor that didn't learn that in their life, and so they're going to learn it through your life. Um, so 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 absolutely, like uplift uplift the ancestors that that you want to uplift, but in that same vein, if one if one that is against what you personally believe just believe that they are moving that they are learning also they are moving on also they have to elevate too truth um with it being an agricultural festival and maybe not us being uh you know working the land you, you might have your little garden that's great you know put that garden to bed for the winter but you can also look at the things that you worked on through the year like what did you plant at the spring equinox what have you been nurturing all the way through that growing season it might have been a course you were taking work school or relationship like whatever it was did you and i think what i mentioned this at our you know our last ritual was did that harvest or did that crop yield fruit right did it did you harvest anything from it and if you didn't you lay that thing, that harvest, to rest. It's the end, right? It's the ending. And it's like your compost, right? Compost it. You learned something. Even if the thing didn't work out, if it didn't turn out the way that you wanted, the magic didn't give the results you wanted, you learned something from it. So you're going into a time of rest and that time of darkness, right? Your dark half of the year. So why not put those things to rest so you're not dragging them with you like as a failure into the into the dark. And lastly, like it's the, about you know celebrate being alive. I like being alive. Go to the Halloween yes. party. You I know? like celebrating. <laughs> Go to trick or treat. Yes. There's nothing wrong with going to the parties because as you do that, you can make it a spiritual thing. When you go to that oh gosh, Halloween yeah. party, Samuel, you're going to make that a spiritual thing because you're partying for your ancestors. There should be no, like, I'm not at my altar. Don't do that to yourself. No way. Nobody should be doing that to themselves and feeling bad about it because you can come home from that party having pocketed a, a roll or, like, a piece of candy that you got there, and then you put that on your altar and light the candle and be like, I brought you home some booty, guys. Here, this is for you. <laughs> Here's, some Here's the bounty. Cake. 
some dunk cake. I love that. Yeah, and have that candy in silence like a little mini dumb supper. And I think I think that also like relates to that fact of um, you're just you're celebra- you're celebrating, and it's very it's very natural for us to want to party and to congregate and to and to enjoy each other, which is what our ancestors did. Exactly. Like they did like fun divination to find what their husbands were or who their husbands were or how like if they were going to live or die that next year. Absolutely, there is like um, um, some intensity there, but in that same vein, they also got together. They also drank, danced around fires, you know, sang and, and made merry, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's just as spiritual, just because, I mean, we're doing as our ancestors do. Right. And that's and that's incredible. And maybe you'll meet your husband at the Halloween party. Or his fetch. Uh, <laughs> or his fetch. I, honestly, it would be much easier for me to meet someone's fetch. I can handle a fetch first before, before an actual man. <laughs> All right. Happy Samhain, everybody. Report. Happy rep- everybody has to report back at our next podcast. Uh, to Merry Meet Again. To Merry Meet Again. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Huff and Horn, a witch's podcast. Remember to like and follow on social media and your favorite podcast app. Keep an eye out for the mini episode on Samhain Myths, where Samuel tells the story of Anmorgan and the Dagda, and Braxis and I retell the myth of Klopta, as told to us by Gemma McGowan. Blessed Samhain, and see you next time.